Coming at you right now, uh, recording this on a Monday night, so we have an off night tonight, off night tomorrow, and then back in action on Wednesday. So we thought we'd take advantage of uh, the little bit of free time to, one, talk with someone that you all know and love uh, very much, and that is my partner in crime, JB. JB, how are you? It's going good. Uh, very, that was a nice subdued, going good. That's I gotta fine. work on my on my intros, is what I'm learning, because... Uh... Because we always kind of go through this loop, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do a little bit. It's fine. It keeps it keeps it fresh. Um, and as as honored as I am to speak with you, JB, um, <laughs> the real guest of honor here um, is someone that I think has been. Uh, I am comfortable saying that he has been a breath of fresh air to the Knicks beat <laughs> since he came on uh, not too long ago, um, and that is from NorthJersey.com. Uh, Chris Eisman, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. How are you? Uh, I'm great and and really excited to be talking to you. Um, Same. Yeah, because, you know, so I, I, this is, before we get into the Knicks, I hope you don't mind that we we start just with you, actually, because I, I read your stuff um, and I've, I've read it you know, since you kind of came on board. I think last season was your first covering um, or on the full-time Knicks beat, right? Yeah, I took over for uh, Steve Popper actually in February. So actually, the week that Chris Stapps tore his ACL was my first week. That was your first, that's right, because you and Vork kind of started. Start. Yes. Yeah, you, yep. you and Vork were like mid-season uh, beat acquisitions. We were. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. Trey Burke. Um, yep. Yeah, and just when Popper thought he was out, they they pulled him back in. <laughs> um, I know that every day. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, we've been reading you now for for almost a year, and I just so I'm obviously, in case you can't tell from my my Twitter personality, I'm kind of a glass half full Knicks fan, sure. and I read you know stuff that gets put out by the various reporters on the team, and I I ask myself, I'm like, because I sense sometimes that I that maybe some of it is a little on the negative side, and then I read you, and I'm like, this is just you know, it's just kind of reporting you know reporting mm-hmm. the facts right um it, it, do you like kind of feel like how do you feel about your place you know on on the beat in terms of um like do you feel like you're kind of underrated like you just kind of go out there and like do your thing and you know well, stay under the radar I, I think some of it has to do with the fact that um just the outlet that i work for i mean obviously not being out of tabloid um, we just cover things a little bit differently. Whereas, you know, the tabloid sometimes might, you know, blow something up, um, and make something uh, into a, in, you know, a bigger story. Um, I tend to kind of just stay with, um, just the team stuff and, and just, I don't really know how to describe it, but I guess I just, it just stylistically the way that we cover the team is, is a little bit different at times, I guess I could say, um, yeah, and, and just a day to day. Just a day to day, right? But do you feel like, um, I guess, on the other side of that, it can be a little more tricky? Because, you know, I think about it even in terms of, you know, how I run the next film school account, where 
I have a lot of, I'll call them liberties, not being attached to any, um, you know, newspaper where I have an mm -hmm. editor that's telling me what to do. So I can kind of put, you know, whatever the hell I want out there. Right? And, <laughs> and we and, often do. Right. And meanwhile, you know, it's obviously not the same. And I know, um, I mean, I subscribe so I can come to the site and read, read all of your articles, but like, you know, it, you. Do you feel at all a little frustrated sometimes with the with the difference of, you know, you have sites and I'll even put, you know, ours up there. But, you know, aggregator sites or, you know, um, some of these other bigger sites that can just sort of put any little detail out there. And, you, you know, you're trying to craft a story that tells, you know, some good detail in it and try to fit it both for the newspaper and on the site. And it's, you know, I, I don't know, I guess it's kind of a built in disadvantage sometimes i almost think do you feel that way being the person trying to put this stuff out um not necessarily i mean it's, it's i think part of it is because it's kind of like all i've ever known i mean i guess growing up in this market um starting my career in this market only ever working in new york I, I, and just the amount of um media that's paid attention to every team here i, I guess it's all i've ever known so i've never really thought about it as advantage or disadvantage just just kind of what i know the landscape is like here, if that makes sense. Um, so I don't know if that's what. If, yeah, no, no, no. That, that, that makes that, that makes sense because I'm always saying that I always think you know you're underrated on beat, and I'm trying try to tell people because you know I get a lot of because we're you know since we're a fan account, we get fans who give opinions on what they see out there, and I always feel like your stuff is a little more in line with um, I think what a lot of fans want to see, um, but it's just about getting. I guess sometimes even that exposure in this in this market. Oh yeah, um, I mean, I think a lot of times what it is is I just I let the stats speak for themselves a lot of times. That's kind of always yep. been my philosophy. Um so I don't necessarily go out of my like I'm not going to just take a shot at a guy just to take a shot at somebody. If somebody's not playing well or somebody's doing, you know, something poorly, I'm going to say it. Um but that's kind of always how I've been and I think fans are like that too. They 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 don't necessarily um want to see like personal shots just for the sake of taking a shot at somebody but they know that you know mario his is not playing well i don't i don't need to take a shot at him i can just <laughs> say this is what he's shooting right now this is what he's averaging um so that's kind of always been the way i've approached it just sort of let the stats speak for themselves you, more than anything else do you th is there a part of you as a journalist that if you worked for a different outlet would you do you i mean asking you to kind of pretend for a second but do you think there would be a part of you that would feel uncomfortable if you were i don't want to say forced to do that but like you know it was implied that you were supposed to inject a little bit more um what's the word i'm looking for flair into your into your uh writing yeah i mean i think you would just have to kind of adjust um yeah i mean i think that you just kind of make that transition and and you would understand what their style is like um and just sort of make the necessary adjustments i'm not sure i don't think i would feel uncomfortable it might take some getting used to but um, yeah, I think you would just kind of make that transition. At least I hope. <laughs> I hope yeah, I would be able to. I'm sure you'd roll with it. Um, so uh, this is the Knicks Film School podcast, and as such, we are contractually obligated to start our Knicks discussion with Frank Nilakina, ah. um, because otherwise we would be excommunicated from the uh, from the Twitter sphere. <laughs> um, so you wrote a piece that I really enjoyed um, a couple days ago. Actually, ironically enough, right before this this two game. Uh, Frank resurgence uh, kind of started and you know you got some quotes from that article from both Fizz um, and Frank that made it seem like what we've seen the last couple days 
in terms of Frank getting another shot um, was coming, and, and sure enough, it, it kind of has. Mm-hmm. My question to you is, you know, you're there, you know, every or almost every day. Are you getting a sense that there's, like, because, you know, everybody says the right things, right, on the staff, right. on the from the front office, the whole thing. Do you get a sense that there really is that belief in Frank as a player and, you know, potentially what he could be, or is it, do you get, like, worried sometimes that you're hearing more lip service to what, you know, people know they're supposed to say? You know, I think that they do um, really like what he can bring. And I I just think that they still see that potential in him. It's still just a matter of him doing it consistently. I I, I don't think that it's just all lip service. Um, I do think that they like him as a player. It's just sort of a matter of fitting in, you know, fitting him into where he fits best. And I don't think that that's a clear-cut answer obviously, as we've seen through the last year and a half um, as he bounces back from roll to roll. So I, I think they really like what he can do, and I think it's just a matter of sort of getting him to become the player that they want him to become. Um, so I, it's not all lip service. I mean, I'm sure some of it might be, but I don't think at all all of it is for sure. Right, yeah, because, I mean, obviously we had the, the different string of players doing their time with on the on the DNP role, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And, you know, it's something, too, we were talking about amongst the guys on, on the, and girls on the site that, you know, last night, Fisdale's all, almost in a situation he can't lose. I mean, if Frank comes out and plays bad, which he actually did in the first half, yep. you know, everyone can say, well, look, of course he hasn't been playing. Look how bad he's been. And then, you know, he has that hot third quarter and it's like, oh, look, it's because, you know, because of the DNPs that, um, you know, maybe he, he did this. Um, But I guess picking up off Jonathan's point, you know, maybe if it's not, say, lip service, I mean, do you still sense that, you know, it is different sitting a player who was the 2017 lottery pick. Yeah, it um, is. Right. And it is sitting someone like Damian Dotson. So, I mean, I guess, you know, there's obviously rumors out there in terms of other teams having interest. Nothing's been said about the Knicks, but... Again, being around the team every day, and this would be more opinion because I imagine you would report it if you knew it any more than that. Um, do you sense that beyond just the lip service, just where his spot in the rotation or on the team is a little more fragile than maybe some of the other guys? I, I was look, I, I was really surprised by the DMPs. I didn't think that it was necessarily the right thing to do. Um, just in my opinion, I felt like this kid needs to play as much as he can. Um, I think he should be starting. Um, but I, I just – I think that they like him as a player, like I said. And and I think that um, they're trying to find where he fits best. I, I don't think that they know that at this point. I, but I think that he needs a long run at point guard, in my opinion, and they need to see if he can be that type of player. Um, but I don't get the sense that they've, that they've given up on him. If anything, they want him to go out and play well. If they do want to trade him, he should be playing so that he can – you know, continue to pick up some trade value. So right. if anything, he needs to be on the floor as much as possible to continue to get better if they do want to make a deal for him. Yeah, no, I and I think um, that's the one thing I, I kind of disagreed with when he was getting the DMPs. People are like, oh, he's on his way out. That That's the one thing that never made sense to me. Right, exactly. Um, why would you sit a guy if you want to trade him? That just, I mean, why would a team want somebody that you've just kind of completely given up on? Yeah, exactly, because they know that you're, you're selling from a, a position of weakness, so to speak. Right. Um, so the thing that I'm wondering, and again, this is kind of a, a question about like just the feel that you get. Um, again, uh, I, you know, I think 
uh, Ian Begley said this on the pod, like players are trained to say the thing that they know is the right thing to say when asked about playing time, spots in the rotation, the whole thing. Um, underneath that, with all the flexible kind of rotations that have been going on mm-hmm. with the strings of DMPs here and there with guys' minutes, you know, um, fluctuating, to put it kindly. Right. Do you get a sense that there is actually really buy-in from this group that, like, listen, this is the way it's going to be and, and I'm supporting it? Or do you get the sense that there are frustrations, um, you know, bubbling underneath that maybe we don't realize? Oh, I think all these guys as competitors, they want to play. So I think that there's always that inherent frustration when a guy isn't playing, like, I want to be on the floor. I don't want to be sitting on the bench. And, you know, regardless of what the system is like here, or the rotations are like, I want to be on the court. But at the same time, I do think because Fisdale has been consistent with it since training camp, that everything's fluid, nothing's set in stone. Guys have to earn their minutes. So I think if, despite that frustration, they understand what the situation is like and they understand that this is kind of the way uh, Fisdale is going about things right now. So it's it's hard. I think it would be a lot harder for them to accept and a lot more frustrating for them if they weren't given this plan or, or weren't told about this early on, it's kind of like, you know, you knew this, you knew what you were getting into. So try and earn your way onto the court. And um, so I, I think that there's always, like I said, I think there's always that frustration when a guy's not playing, but I think that they also understand what the situation is like. And then I guess moving on from Frank uh, to Mitchell Robinson, who he's kind of had a funny season because yep. in some ways he's been, I think, surprising how good he's been in select spots right i mean just yeah you know what i think he's like seventh or eighth in the league in blocks despite you know the limited minutes that he plays but then of course he's very raw in a lot of areas um what about with him i guess again being you know closer to him seeing him in practice seeing him you know beyond how we see him you know any i guess added insight or thought you could give in terms of him being so young and him obviously not playing basketball all uh, last uh, season, really, and how he's adjusting to kind of NBA life. Yeah, I mean, I, he, look, he's he's obviously very raw um, on the court. They really like the way that he's handled this transition, um, and they are willing, obviously, to kind of let him grow and let him evolve as a player and get acclimated to the NBA, but they also understand that this is going to take time. Um he has been pretty good for the most part. I, I think that, you know, the fouling, obviously, he has to get that under control. Um, and then there, there are just a lot of small details that he still has to pick up. Um, but I think that he's handled this pretty well. I mean, it, it's hard to say before the season. Did, did I mean, I, I certainly didn't expect him to have the kind of impact that he has on the defensive end. Neither um, did we. <laughs> yeah, anyone mean, did. It, it's, it was, it's, it's almost, it was pretty shocking. Um, like I said, there's still things that he needs to work on, but overall, I mean, it's been, I think the Knicks and their fans should be pretty happy with what they have in him. Yeah, no, I mean, we've, I, I, I the one guy I don't think anyone has any complaints about so far is, is Mitch. Yeah. Um, just generally speaking, you know, because you, like you said, you were around this team uh, for several months last year. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that stands out to you as like a huge difference between the way things are kind of uh, run or the way, you know, the feel of the team uh, between this year and last year? I guess there's a just just more. I mean, it's hard to say because I was around the team last year, starting in February. Obviously, it was after 
I started right when Kristaps Porzingis tore his ACL. So there wasn't a ton of optimism swirling around that team. It was just kind of like a slog toward the end of the season in a way because I think everybody knew where things were going. I think that there's some degree of um, – I think the players are enjoying playing. They're younger. Um, they're hungry. They, I think they do genuinely like playing for Fisdale. So I think that there's a – I guess that would be the biggest difference is that there's just a little bit more optimism um, around the players. Um, other than that, it's hard to tell just from what our access is um, to get too much of a clear, like a clear vision of what is different. But just from my own um, observations, that that kind of has always stood out since the start then, of the season. And then I guess thinking about last year versus this year, but even extending a little further back, I mean, there is some thought, and funny enough, some of it uh, a bit maybe comes from uh, Clarence Gaines being pretty active on, on Twitter these days. Um <laughs> But there is some thought that, you know, there might be a little bit of a split between what, what you could call the Phil Jackson, Clarence Gaines guys and kind of the new era with Mills and, and Perry guys. Obviously, Mills been here the whole time. Mm. But do you is that something that that, that you feel is, um, you know, I don't know. Do you get any sense of that being around the team that that split exists or is that kind of just more? You know, again, uh, you know, there's obvious reasons why guys would be more invested in players that they did draft or not right. draft, but it's not something that's obvious. Yeah, I mean, I think it's what you just said. I think that maybe a guy that, um, you know, that Scott Perry and, and Steve Mills brought in together, I, I think that they're probably obviously going to have a little bit more invested in them and, and might be have um, a certain sort of interest in them. But I, I haven't gotten the sense that there's a, necessarily a split. Um Early in the season, I was surprised when Dotson wasn't playing because obviously he had played well in preseason right. and then didn't play those first few games. So I was surprised about that, and I was kind of wondering what was going on. But now he's a pretty consistent player in the rotation. So that question kind of got wiped away pretty quickly. Um, so I don't think that there's necessarily like a like they're against guys that Phil drafted or um, anything like that. I mean, I think it's just, uh, you know – it would certainly hurt them. I mean, these guys are on the team. I think, obviously, Dotson's a good player. So it certainly wouldn't be a, a prudent thing to just kind of uh, have something against them simply because they <laughs> right. didn't bring him in, yeah. you know? All right. So, um, so my, my last question that I have for you has to do uh, with, of course, the 800-pound gorilla in the room, and that's and that's KP. Um, Who? I'm sorry. No, I'm just <laughs> uh, the big guy. I, I think he's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've sometimes. seen him yeah. around. Big guy. Um, so, you know, and uh, let me preface what I'm about to, to ask by, you know, Howard Beck, when, when he was on, we, we kind of joked about that, you know, Knicks fans have this like Nick fan PTSD from all of these years of pain and, and suffering that I, I almost get this sense sometimes when I'm listening to maybe not necessarily beat guys talk about KP, but just mm -hmm. general NBA chatter surrounding where, the comfort level is um, between KP and his people and mm -hmm. the organization. Is there something going on that maybe we're, we're not aware of or are things as we are told they are, which is that, you know, everybody seems to be on the same page and they'll, you know, um, copacetically uh, discuss the contract extension when the time comes in the summer. Um, well, 
I think everybody knows that there was obviously some friction there when he skipped the meeting with Phil. Um, what meeting? It, What's the, the, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, everybody knew that there was some friction between him and the organization. It it seems to have gotten repaired um, from what we're told, but it's hard to know for sure. It, it's hard to know, um, you know, whether or not not offering him the extension, you know, would frustrate him or his or his people. Um, obviously, the Knicks really didn't. There was no reason to, for them to do that at that point. Um, so I don't think they necessarily made the right cho- for the wrong choice by doing that. But from what we're told, everything is fine. Um, I, I thought that it was surprising the way KP went about the the sprinting thing, kind yeah. of calling yeah. Fisdale out on on social media. I thought that was a little interesting. It was weird. It was a little strange, especially because Fisdale's gone out of his way to build a strong relationship with the guy going over to Lavi and everything. Um, so I was a little surprised about that, but I, I don't necessarily think that that's a sign that there's any sort of, uh, you know, sustained friction. Um, so it's hard to say for sure, but you know, I don't think we'll know until he gets back and, and we're able to talk to him on a regular basis to get a a better understanding of, of where he's at. We haven't spoken to him since September. Hmm. So we still haven't asked him about, you know, no extension or anything like that. We we haven't been able to ask him why he kind of went about the sprinting thing um, so publicly. Now I just call it the sprinting thing. It's just like <laughs> sprint game. Um, yeah, sprint yeah, sprint game. Yeah, exactly. Sprint game. Sprint um, so it's hard to know for sure, but you know, until we we talk to him. But I, I don't think that there's necessarily any reason to believe that there's there's a whole lot of uh, friction on either side. Okay, and or, then um, I guess where we'll close it is that. You know, probably the biggest story this week will be leading up to the deadline for Alonzo Trier, and the you know it's 45 days runs up. I guess at the end of this week, depending yeah. on if he misses a day of practice or not. Um, I know Adam Zagoria reported today that they do plan on converting him. I don't think that's a big surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you? Again, you would obviously report it if you knew. So I'll I'll add the <laughs> the clarification for you that this would obviously be your opinion. But do you have any guess on who you think? that roster spot, how they would create that roster spot to sign him? I would have, I mean, I've been thinking for a little while now that it's going to be Luke Cornett, um, only because it's a $1.6 million as opposed to Ron Baker's $4.5 million. So Which is surprising with- that, I mean, one thing with Dolan, as bad as he is, you know, he's obviously not afraid to spend money. No. And, it's all, you know, it's all a sunk cost by now, but it, you know, I think everyone is in that, that thought. Um, but it is a little surprising, especially cause you know, they don't have a lot of depth up front, but well, that, I, that's kind of one too. thing I was going to say is that's the only reason why I'm not so sure. You know, I kind of go back and forth on it because do you really want to cut a center when you really don't have a ton of depth at that spot? So, um, you could, you could lose Ron Baker, I think a lot easier. It was just a matter of, do you want to, um, eat the cost and and you're right i mean i don't think that that would necessarily bother them too much to have to at this point what difference does it make he's not going to give you anything that is worth four and a half million dollars anyway um so, yeah no, exactly. yeah and it you know and the, th- and the thing too is like how how they go about and me and jonathan have talked about this a lot but i mean how they go about deciding you know do how much of that biannual if that's the route they go that they give them do they try to get them on that two-year deal um, I think it will be kind of it'll be a little bit telling of what they're thinking is going to happen this summer, both kind of with the market as a whole 
and how they want their roster to be in terms of, you know, if they simply convert him to a one-year deal, and part of that could be, you know, Trier himself wants that, mm-hmm. or they, they try to get that two-year. Do you do you have any sense, and I guess this will be my true last question, do you have any sense on that in terms of what direction they're trying to go in terms of, you know, signing them for multiple years versus just the I, rest of the season? I really don't at this point. Um, that's I am very intrigued by how they're going to handle that. Um, but at this point, it's hard to say what direction they're going to go. Okay. All right, Chris, um, you you are uh, you are a, really. I have to say it again. You're a breath of fresh air, man. Uh, <laughs> Appreciate no, that. No, I'm thing. telling you because I, I think I speak for a lot of Knicks fans uh, out there who you know we love this team so much, and you like you want to read more about it and or about them, and you want to consume you know uh, a lot of stuff, especially when like positive things are happening, and it's. Personally, it's nice for me to know that there's some place that I could go to to, you know, read a story and and just um, and feel okay about the team, you know, uh, as okay when I finished reading the story as as when I started. And I I really appreciate you providing that um, every day uh, for for fans. Yeah, I I absolutely. I enjoy uh, I enjoy covering the team, and hopefully for all you guys, at some point sooner than later, you'll have someone to cheer for. You know, some some more wins. Yeah. You mean we won't get excited in a game they basically lost uh, by 30 points during the stretch of it? Just it was funny. Last night, for the, it felt like a Knicks win for them. It really of, did. It really, you know, it was it was a it was a loss in the you know by the score, but for the Knicks, it was almost like uh, they won in that regard. Um, strange season. It is, <laughs> yep. and, and we have a, a lot more games to go. Well, uh, Chris, again. Um, Thank you for joining us again. If you're if you're not following uh, Chris Asman on on Twitter, you should be doing so. Uh, NorthJersey.com, really, truly exemplary work uh, every day. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me, guys. It was fun. Yeah, um, JB. Uh, anything we forgot? Anything you want to pitch plug before we go? No, no, I think we're good. But obviously. Uh, you can go either to the Twitter profile or to our website to become what we're calling a film student. But really, you just need to donate $1 per month. All of the money that we receive goes to charity. We're going to be kicking some things up for Christmas coming up. And it's actually, what, two weeks from tomorrow? Yep. Um, so make sure you do that. Help us out. It's only a buck a month, and you can make a big difference. Please do. Um, we promise you the causes that we're, we're going to be going uh, towards helping every month are going to be good ones. We're going to be um, revealing what our uh, December charity is very soon, so keep an eye out for that. Um, everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we are going to have a couple more episodes this week that I think you're going to like. Uh, but, yeah, thanks for uh, giving us the time, and we will be back with you soon. Yeah.